Bitstorm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Trevor Scott, and with me, as always, is Ben Slinger. Hello, hello, hello. What's going on? <laughs> Sorry, I just... We usually get into it a bit faster than that. Um... What's going on? Yeah, no, I'm good. I've got a nice new setup with my nice new microphone boom arm here. So I'm standing up today. It's a different sort of energy. Different uh, sort of energy is always good. Yeah. Okay. Good. So we're just going to play some click pitch and then we'll get into some other stuff. We're going to do our usual thing. Do you want me to do the- The, the, the spiel. The yes. spiel. Uh, yeah. Click pitch. This is a game where we each have a random word generator in front of us. And on the count of three to one click, we're going to- get some new words uh are we, are we doing ramped up today trevor yeah because i can't be bothered changing the setting <laughs> yeah so we're doing ramped up click pitch which in this case means we get an adjective and a noun each and we're going to jam these words together and make a game design from them and when we're done we'll throw it away and we'll do it again a few times and then we might mm. do some movies i don't know if okay. you've listened before you know the deal so three two one click Mm-hmm. Discovered territory. Imaginary sunshine. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I immediately went to someone finding the remnants of a Truman Show situation where there's essentially- Underground or above ground? I kind of like the idea of a subterranean Truman yeah. Show. Yeah. I like it subterranean. Uh, it doesn't- it doesn't. It doesn't super matter. Be, uh, probably subterranean because then, like, why wouldn't have someone have found it already yeah. on like satellite photos or something? Uh, but yes, essentially, the imaginary sun being its simulated sun. But I wonder, are they finding it during the experiment or like decades later? And it's kind of still like I'm almost thinking it's it was automated and still running. Yeah, I kind of like the idea that the experiment is still running and, you know, the Trumanist character is still there. He's an old man now and everyone else is there as as a lot older as well, but they're, they're sort so, of cut off from the world. Uh, are the other characters still playing their parts then? Are they still aware that this is all going on and still getting paid or have they, you know, have their paychecks stopped and they're like- what the fuck are we doing here? Um, well, I don't think that they can actually leave. I think one of the things was that, you know, at some at some point they were supposed to be collected and the whole thing was supposed to be shut down, but that never actually happened. So they they haven't really been played and they uh, paid because, you know, it's supposedly all going into their bank accounts. So when they leave the show, they're well looked right. after. Something. So they don't even know. Yeah, okay. So all it is is they've essentially stopped receiving like notes from the producers they they know they can't leave like that was part of the deal is it's like yeah you know you're gonna live here you're gonna be here for three years you're gonna get paid a shitload of money and that was like 15 years ago mm. uh okay who who is our player who how do how do they come across this thing are they like doing some sort of dig and bust through the wall um I know. I can't. I kind of like the idea that they've just got a new house. Okay. So they've just moved into into a new house, and they go into the basement, and they notice a boarded <laughs> up door. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They open up the door, and there's just stairs leading down. So okay, are we saying that like this house was is like a refurbished 
it's like where the producers were living or something. Yeah, basically, um, da- uh, when you go down down the stairs a little bit, the first landing that you come across is like the production room. Yeah. So the production was literally underneath the um the original director's house. Um, he built this whole thing underneath like the town that they lived in. I think though that none of the none of the gear is working because I feel like I want the character the player to. Discover. Oh no! It's all run down, and it looks like it's been abandoned for years. Yeah. And so there's cobwebs everywhere, and like a- screens are all busted, and yeah, yeah. You see a room that's like, oh, this was used for some sort of audiovisual something, but you don't really know what. Maybe you find some notes or whatever that give you a little bit of a a, a hint towards it. But then, yeah, you go the rest of the way down and essentially find a door which opens up somehow into this. Pure sunlight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Into this suburban, uh, you know, dream slash nightmare. (laughs) Well, I'm thinking that it's sort of like, you know, you creak this old door open and then, you know, uh, light starts streaming in. Um, Maybe the cycle that it got locked into is that the sun hasn't actually gone down in this place for like- (laughs) <laughs> 15 years. Yeah, the weather system, like the, the day-night cycle broke and stopped at some point. Yeah. But it's some sort of like solar-powered redirection of sun from the from the surface or something. So, it, it didn't need the power to continue for it to uh, to continue shining. It just was not- was never turned off. Yeah. So, I- I- <laughs> there's something about like it being permanently noon that just- you know, hurts hurts people's brains and all this sort of stuff. Oh, and God, they can yeah. um maybe the clocks themselves in this place uh, are all part of this weather cycle, so they don't actually know how much time has passed because it's always noon. <laughs> it's all hooked into the time system. It was like a, a consolidated time system for this whole experiment and the, it was the, just the easier to stop to yeah. set the um to set the <laughs> the clocks based on yeah, well that made sense. The clocks are all set based on the day night cycle, so if that that stops, then the clocks stop. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm getting kind of a in a way a bioshock ish feel to this, where it's you, you know, coming across this society mm. which is definitely broken in some way. I don't know that we want to go down the shooter route that Bioshock has no. or make it a bit more just exploratory and and sort of adventure gamey, I guess, or like walking sim. I'm thinking first person though, because I got a I've got a good feel. Like the whole, you know, the the door opens and your your nice HDR visuals, uh, you know, react to the change in light, the bright sunlight in there as your eyes get used to the um, get used to the sun and you realize where you are. Um, I'm almost thinking role playing game sort of thing of more talking to people finding out like oh i i haven't seen you know this person for years can you go find out what's happened to them sort of thing and you right, know you so get you little get a, a little, little quest side log. questy things yeah so it's sort of like an adventure game but it has that sort of main story and side questy stuff that you can do along the way to yep. to sort of get people onto your side for for well, you know so- they they're all interested in this new person that sort of arrived, but then the mayor of the town is very wary that someone has walked into into this place after, you know, 15 years of no contact 
with the producers. Yeah. So when yeah, do so you I- think they? <clears throat> how long do you, before they actually let the person know that they were in, ex- in an experiment? Yeah. So you think the player is the one who who uh, reveals it? Um. I think at first it could be, but it actually turns out that, like, the character who is now the mayor has um, actually found out from his from his wife on her deathbed. Because I think that his wife actually passed away. Oh, I see. So, you're saying the-, the uh- or, or husband, you know, it doesn't matter what route we go down. Yeah. Um, I just kind of like so the idea the that they've found the out- experiment has become the mayor. Yeah. But, of course, uh- you were too young- like, maybe you're a 15, 16-year-old, so you're maybe one when the thing went off the airways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't know the show. Yeah. For sure. Um, at, at some point, you may be like, as as it becomes revealed to you, you're like, oh, like, I have some- Like, I think I saw the Wikipedia page about that once. So about that- Neighbours. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> the whole thing is Neighbours. <laughs> oh, my God. So, wait. If this is Neighbours, who- is the is the person who thinks it's real? <laughs> they all do. <laughs> they all do. Just, I don't know. They're all brainwashed, dropped into fucking. What, I know. The, I'm just. I'm thinking. You know, name? some sort of soap opery sort of thing. Um, but also, how how negative would the mayor be after how, after having found out this whole thing? Like, he didn't take it as well as what Jim Carrey did in the Truman Show. Yeah. Well, after this long and. And that, I mean, I guess after the, Jim Jim Carrey had been in there for whatever twenty five thirty years, but yeah, I think this is even longer, given that the guy's like sixty or something. Yeah. Um, so okay, yeah, so know. I'm thinking there's another threat that's sort of happening. Okay. Um, and it's there's basically a reboot of the show. Well, the, they've they've been running low on f- food for years, and so right. you know they've um you know they've been growing food wherever they can and all that sort of stuff, but. There's only so much water. They they've obviously got the got the little oceany sort of thing, mm. kind of like in the Truman Show. But I do love. Okay, just to just to kind of get a broad scope of of the game itself. I like your idea of it being RPG ish. It's feeling very Fallout. Uh, yeah, just without I, the shooting aspect. I don't think yeah, you I, need. I that. don't think you do the shooting aspect. But I'm loving this idea of like, yeah, you come across like it's this huge area. It's this whole town essentially, and the outskirts. And yeah, you're coming into these spaces where it's it's I mean it's essentially post-apocalyptic, but confined to this set. Um, and I kind of love how you can play with that, especially when everyone except one person knows that it's fake, <laughs> and so they are going to be bitter, or they're all going to take it in different ways. Like some of them are like, "Oh, it's great!" Like we don't even have to worry about those fucking producers breathing down our necks anymore. We just get to live our lives. Uh, and some of them are just like, oh, my God, like, I want to get out of here and get my money. I left my, you know, sister out there and she's, you know, who knows what's happening. Yeah. And and just discovering all these little stories around the place, obviously all revolving around very, like, literate. Well, I guess not literally revolving, but um, very much <laughs> revolving around the mayor who was actually the center of the show. Uh, well, maybe it is revolving. You go back to the door that you originally, you originally, you know, came through. You open it up, and there's just plain blood. Uh, there's plain like brick, <laughs> brickwork or, or dirt or something to, like, like that. Simulate seasons or something very slowly, but like 
yes, once you've been there for a week, your doors shut off and it's not going to come back until like that same time next year. So, <laughs> because the, whole the, set the, the sorts of quests that I think that you'll actually go through is more around you actually start working out how to repair some of these functions. So, one of the first things that you need to need to repair is actually the weather system. You know, get the um, yep. get the uh, you know, the season or the get the get the sun moving again, so these people can actually experience night get the for the sun first time in fifteen years. And I think part of that is then getting that season system under your control, so that you can get out. But getting out means you get to go into the control room. And now you've got even more control over things. And essentially, you kind of take over the- maybe take over the running of the show in some way, but it's actually just to help the people who are in there. Yeah. Now, the only question is, would you- why wouldn't you just tell them all that there's a door they can get out of? So, I'm wondering if somehow you got locked in there as well? Well, that's why I'm saying that um, the second that you you open up the door, you close it behind you, you hear something moving. And literally, well, it's, the, it's the entire world sort of shifting and it's- Yeah. No, I get that. But my thing was around, it would be, I feel like having them act, get access to the producers, like the producer's room, the production room is good, but still not being able to escape from there back into their house, essentially. So that there's, yeah, so that there's not the question of, well, why doesn't everyone just get out? But also they can, so maybe it's that they get trapped on like this side where the producer's room is, but it's, I don't know, something locked behind them. Even into their back into their house or something. Okay, some sort of code that they need to now find. Yeah, yeah. To be able to unlock, unlock the yeah, door. Because all of this was done in like such secrecy that there's just all these security systems in place, even to the level of getting into the production basement. Yeah. Um, I do like the idea of as you're going through the town, you find out that there's another house almost exactly the same as yours. And when you when you go down into it, there's like another like mini it's production room. <laughs> now it doesn't go down into another like thing, <laughs> no. but that's um it it happens to be that that's where like there's there's a fake version of uh, the um well all right of the production maybe- area that maybe there's been some rats that have actually come through and eaten through some cables, and that's what's actually stopped you know well, the whole okay, thing. Okay, see, here's this might solve the problem actually because maybe yes. Your character, the player is stuck in the actual town. So, it does close behind them. They can't get back into where they were. But there were certain situations where one or more of the producers would, like, play a character in the town. And, then and be able to control some shit from And be able to control some stuff. So, in their house, they had a basement and yep. an area where there was- so, And that's what you start getting control of and, and getting into the system there. Yeah. And basically, you're repairing the systems from there. And then once you repair enough, then you get access to the to the higher control room. Yeah. Um, like, you manage to get the power all connected back up. Like there's a massive power network throughout the entire town that has basically gone yeah. to disrepair. Yeah. Yeah, because nobody here- was they nobody was hired for their like electrical engineering or no they're all actors you know, yeah like- they're essentially all actors <laughs> and all actors know. and a guy who's been raised by actors so he's effectively an actor yeah. himself <laughs> and they're just lucky someone knew enough to like plant the old tomato seeds from the last batch of food they got <laughs> to like start a, a little garden going uh or maybe they just like some of them had veggie patches or whatever like as part of the gig 
it's like one of these things like, yeah, I, I had to train to be a, a, you know, veggie farmer so that I could have a, have a convincing veggie patch because my <laughs> character, you know, had that skill. <laughs> um, so, I'm picturing that all the water in the ocean sort of thing, um, it's all salt water, obviously. And so, they've got to yep. come up with some way of actually removing the salt so they could use the water in the- Yep. But then yeah, well- when you fix the weather system and it starts raining for the first time in 15 years, like- Everyone's sort of like, oh, my God, you know, and dancing out in the streets and all this stuff. I think that's a big moment for sure. Yeah. So, I'm definitely liking this idea of basically the whole game being you bringing this whole town back to life with the end goal, obviously, of- And then everyone gets to escape if they want. Uh, Yeah. Somehow, you like- The the final thing you get access to is actually, you know, getting everything lined up so that people can leave. Uh, are you? We talked about RPG stuff. Do you think you, in a fall in a fallout sort of way, like put points in different skills and have different ways to solve these problems? Then, like, do you take a like computer engineering or hacking skill? Yeah. See, with- no, it's more it's more around the um, it's more around the side quest and all that sort of stuff. I just like those okay. typical um sort of things. Of here's a whole heap of story that doesn't need to be part of it. So it's more the story structure of an RPG than yeah. the sort of character development. Yeah, I mean you can still have stuff. like a, a fetch quest sort of sort of thing. It's just that there's not gonna be that not much combat. But there may be okay, you you go down like this side quest and that branches out into these other side quests to be able to f- fulfill that first one that Yeah. Well you know, more, all becomes I mean, part yeah. of I guess you know, the, yeah. I guess it's more about like with the skills I was thinking, you know, if you've took more t- taken more skills in like you know, essentially diplomacy versus hacking, then like you solve the you solve the problem of getting access to stuff by, you know, talking to someone who knows something about something else that lets you get a passcode versus just breaking in and getting the you know and, and hacking through. Like whether it's that yeah. sort of difference. It doesn't have to be combat related skills. It's all it can be around, you know, electrical engineering skills. You do you put the points into that and that means, you know, you're more likely to pass a check to do something. I don't know. It, it might not make sense to have that it, if we want it to be more <clears throat> essentially just- It's adventure game an adventure with- game, but with sort of an RPG-ish quest structure. Yeah. And and that way you can you can actually say that, you know, your your main task is to get out. And then, yeah. you, then you can basically have these extra little things along the side that may add to the main quest or they, they may, you know- they may um, just yeah. be standalone sort of stories, but you, you're still meeting up with all these different people and you're sort of learning all about the town. And Yeah, I think it's more about giving the opportunity to have these little side quests that are, that are optional, but give you information about people in the town and the history of it all. And then other smaller quests, which are feeding into the main quest, which aren't optional, but like have like smaller term goals, whether it is just- get a windmill working or something. I don't know. Like, get the wind working so we can build a windmill to create electricity. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. Um, No, it's cool. Okay. So, I think the final thing is that you- When you you get out, you you find out that um, the person that did own this place was the producer- yeah. But had something like dementia or something like that. And, and like, for the last 15 years- Well, hadn't forgot, but- you know, just, you know, had some sort of, um, before they passed away recently, before you bought the house, like right. they'd been, 
you know, in some sort of medical condition in which they couldn't actually do, they were impaired and didn't actually remember all these all these things, but had written down all this stuff in notebooks, thinking they right. were forgetting something. So, is it just this one person running the whole thing? It's like some, you know, eccentric billionaire who set all this up? <laughs> Quite possibly, yeah. Yeah. Hired people, hired people to build all the systems and stuff, but then he was the only person actually in control of running it all. And mm-hmm. so, yes, when he was incapacitated, the whole thing started to run down. I like it. That's cool. I like it a lot. Three drink click. Sober despite. Biased. Harden. Sober despite. So, sober despite makes me think of someone who's drinking alcohol but is not doing anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know where that comes into the game. Is this at? Is this at some sort of at some sort of party or like social Ooh. situation? And it's uh, around. I- Maybe this is the new version of of like um, prohibition. In that, like, there's they're still providing alcohol, but it's well, they're still providing drinks that say they've got alcohol, but it's extremely reduced a- alcohol content all because of down. yeah. So it's sort of like no matter how many drinks you have, you're always going to remain sober because like because you can't drink it fast enough to actually get drunk with the amount of alcohol that's in there. Yeah, and. There's just something about prohibition that that sort of gives gives that that different idea of different stories that I mean, could be we, going on around. We there. are now in the twenties again. Yeah, so. roaring twenties. <laughs> uh, all right, modern day prohibition. What country are we setting this in? Are we saying Australia brings in rules to say, all right, this this like alcoholism in our culture has gone too far. We are. Stopping all imports and all production of alcohol in Australia, and uh, and now you're part of like the underground <laughs> speakeasy running, underground railroad running alcohol runners, booze runners mm-hmm. in Australia. Um. Yep. Does the harden come from you f- doing something with ice? To, to or like to hide it in I don't know <laughs> I'm trying to think of how you're hiding somehow hiding booze, um, smuggling well, booze. It, it's all about the hard liquor you know it's you're not you're not trying to bring beer in or anything like that it's all about spirits okay so you harden, get more bang for your buck harden comes from like as a verb comes from increasing the booze content yep. to make something harder um all right that that's good. Okay, so what what are we talking here? Are we talking like satisfactory style running, <laughs> running <laughs> booze trains underground? Yeah, I I think everything is all about um, you know trying to work out. Okay, we need to run the tunnel between this place and this place. So you you're sort of looking on top, going, okay, I need to mark it from here to here. I'm going in approximately this direction. Oh, and, you, okay. and you're trying to work it out because when you're underground and you start setting this thing going, you know, you can't break up to the surface and have a look around and see where you are. You're yeah. trying to match up the tunnels and, and get it all. So, it's more about the logistics of digging these tunnels then almost. Yeah. I could see that working. That could be interesting. Having to, like, source- materials to like run power down there so you're not so the people digging aren't in the dark to you know get the 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 rail cars i I think i think you've got some sort of 
cool electric digger that, you know, you can use. Mm. Well, but once, the you, problem once is, you've raised enough money. Yeah. I think the problem is it's on an extension cord and the extension cord can only go <laughs> <Nah>. so far. <laughs> Doesn't have batteries. That's an upgrade. That's an upgrade. Um, yeah, but that only lasts like three feet of digging because then you've got to take out the double A's and put them back in. <laughs> the double A's. All right. Tell me how you picture this game starting. Like, from a gameplay perspective, what is your starting state? Are you just someone who's like, fuck this. Like, I'm going to find a source of alcohol. I'm going to find a way to get it to a pub. And um, just- I, th- I think- the start of the game, it opens up and you're a bartender. You're serving drinks to um, to your patrons. Yep. When all of a sudden the door gets kicked in by Breaking the alcohol, news. by the liquor oh, police. Yeah. And they basically, <laughs> they bust you for for selling alcohol to- um. Okay. So, you're running. So, essentially, it's already illegal. You're running in a, a speakeasy. You're running an illegal speakeasy. And- Which, but the rules have literally only come in today. Like- it oh, just okay. got passed. So you are okay. And the liquor police have come in and, and busted down your door of your of your bar. Right. In that case, I like the idea of a uh, you've got the TV on and like there's a news thing uh, that's like new yeah, controversial you know, liquor laws come into play today. Yes, all alcohol banned in, across Australia, and then yeah, <laughs> yeah, then the door gets kicked in immediately. Uh, as the TV says, like simultaneous raids on every liquor, estab- you know, liquor serving establishment in Australia will happen at some time this afternoon. Bang! <laughs> <laughs> will happen at some time this after. Bang! You don't even hear the end of the sentence. Uh, <laughs> and then it's essentially okay. Now you're left with nothing. Um, and it goes through to like six months later, and you know, no one's in your bar. And someone- Okay, um, right. Because you're still, like, serving peanuts or something, right? Like- And and soft drink and all this sort of stuff. But no one wants to actually come and have, you know, expensive water and all this sort of stuff. Because you can't sell tap- You can't, you know, have tap water for free anymore. It's- (laughs) I do love the idea of, like, yeah, there's just all these people in there. It's essentially the same except without the alcohol. Like, everyone's just like, what is- This is terrible. The music's still going. You know, you're trying to get people to have a fun time and they're just like, uh, they're all depressed. I'm going to go home and watch Netflix. Uh, and obviously, you know, at risk of, of glorifying alcohol abuse, but from a general, we'll, we'll, we'll take the, the happy sides of it. Um, okay. So So then, like, I, I think you and, and the other local, um, you know, alcohol purveyors or whatever you want to call them, like, you know, the other bartenders, other owners of, of similar things in the district, they decide mm-hmm. to, to like, dig a network of tunnels between all the- um. All right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Here, here's how I think it goes. I think it's in VR, because mm-hmm. as we've said multiple times, bartending in VR is fun. Or seems like it would be. I've never tried it. Uh, <laughs> you have Cocktail. That opening- yeah. You- yeah, absolutely. You have that opening <laughs> scene where you can watch the TV, you see stuff get kicked in, blah, blah, blah. Cuts to six months later, you're, you're behind the bar again. You have some conversations with, you know, despondent bar, bar, uh, bar patrons. And then someone comes up to you and they're like, hey, like, it's me, the owner of the dirty pig from across the road. Because, I don't know, apparently Australia has English-style pub names now. Um- <laughs> well, they do. Have you seen the elephant of Wilborough? <laughs> I mean, there are, there are a few. But anyway. Um- the spearmint rhino. 
<laughs> For those who don't know, that is a gentleman's club. Uh, I had to say it. <laughs> you really did it. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, Made you laugh. <laughs> It's me. I run. The, uh, I run the Dirty Pig. We're all we're we're all in this together. A bunch of us are having a meeting tonight. Like we're going to do something about this. And yeah, you essentially get you know what is basically a cutscene of here's the plan. We're going to do this. And then it like you can look down at a map, and that's the start of your planning. Yeah, set up. It's like okay, here are good spots that we can run this stuff. Like I mean, I guess you're running it at your bars, maybe. It's like, okay, where are we sourcing it from? You've got maybe a few different options with different difficulties or different distances from things. And so it's about choosing based on your resources. Okay, we're going to dig tunnels. We're going to need these materials to like transport it, hide it, advertise it discreetly somehow. Like how are we going to get the word out? I, I kind of like the idea as well that there's certain places in the city that you don't want to be digging under because, you know, this this skyscraper has its foundations go down really deep and could collapse tunnels and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, it? so you've got limitations. Don't dig under the lake because <laughs> um, we'd have to, you know, if we dig, don't dig deep enough, we're going to flood our tunnels. Uh, um, and that- you, you've you've got you to be very careful about the subway. Like, you know, the the city loop trains that <laughs> they go you sometimes you're gonna have to go down deep underneath them or depending on how on the this elevation is, of them yeah, you may have to actually go over the top when they've built our suburban loop or whatever the fuck they're building well there's already a city loop there's just going to be a no, new no, one I as know, well but that's what i'm saying so there's even more uh you know even more real estate subway. being used up down there yeah subways in the way or but you might find a way to utilize that it's like if we send our things down here at a certain time, we can use the subway rails <laughs> with our own trucks uh, to to get it a huge distance. We just have to make sure to time it exactly right between trains. Yep. Um, I mean, I all that's coming into my head right now is my my head is literally singing something in the way <laughs> every time that you're trying to dig into something and you come across something it's like something's in the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> we can go grunge uh, themed. The whole thing's Nirvana themed. It's all based oh, yeah. around. Nirvana songs. Some pretty horrible ones in there. Horribly named, anyway. Why did I name my bar In Utero? It's just no, no one really comes anymore. <laughs> I was thinking of a certain other one from that album, but... <laughs> the R word. Yes. <laughs> that I refuse to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> Let's end that one there. Uh, I do like that idea. Uh, no, I, I don't know exactly how the digging stuff would work because I do like your idea of having to, uh, like, it's not exact. Like, you're not just marking here's where to dig on the map. You do mark it on the map, but then it's like, okay, you need to, like, figure out your directions and stuff. So, yeah, if you are going too close to the lake, like, if you're like, okay, we'll go by the lake. We're not going to go under it. But it's like, what if you go off course? Yeah. <laughs> then you Because you're, you're looking at underground and all you've got is a compass, like, to actually- Yeah. To work out. A compass and a tape measure. <laughs> tape measure, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Compass Either and a that, tape measure. Or, or, or you think about that um, 
you know, they've got that, uh, what's it called? Oh, yeah, thing like that, the wheel. Uh, the, the wheel the wheel that, you know, determines the meter. Yep. Yeah, you can use that. <laughs> yep. Yep. I love it. All right. Three shot and click. Enforced wound. Screaming vegetable. <laughs> oh, God. Are we I think I know what's about to happen. <laughs> I mean, we don't have to. Are we going to finally show the war? <laughs> the starch war? The starch war. Maybe. Maybe. Well, There's all the screaming very- and wounds. Was our very first game not the war? No, it was after the, after the war, I'm pretty sure. All right. Fuck it. Let's do it. Um, so, we have a long-running IP, I guess, <laughs> known as Starch Wars, which is all about the war between the leafy vegetables and above ground and the root vegetables underground with, you know, various crossover. And a lot of our games have actually come in the aftermath of this. And mm-hmm. Brendan White was there in the at the Brendan, very start. Yes, 8-Bit's eight bit, eight own from Hungry Gamers, Brendan White, was uh, helped us come up with this idea. So, um, I think this is the- initial part of the war where it's humans versus vegetables. Is that where we fell on that? Well, we know that the humans have actually, like, all died out. Well, but didn't they bring humans back? They did bring humans back later on, but this is a prequel to all of that. Yeah, but I'm not sure if the original starch war then is against humans. No, the original starch war was the was leafy vegetables versus root vegetables, yeah. but that, that was after they destroyed all the humans. Okay. Okay, we're saying they destroyed the humans because I feel I I can't remember the canon, but I feel like it was just they evolved after the humans all died out. But all right, so you're saying this is humans versus vegetables? Are yep. they consolidated at this point? Is it all yes. growing growing things? And it's later on that the rift between the leafy vegetables and the root vegetables yep. came about. Okay, I mean you you could literally see the reason why you know this this war actually happens at the end of this game. Like, after they destroy all the humans, yeah. Um, like, maybe one of, one of the leafy vegetables try to, try to stop the, um, the root vegetables from going too far and, and like, completely obliterating them all. Okay. And that's what oh. starts the war off. Okay. So, like, they've got all these prisoners of war. Yeah. And the, the root vegetables want to just execute them all. And the leafy vegetables are like, no, like, that's- like we're That's- just we're, we're, we we've won our freedom. Let's show mercy, but of course it ends in the yep. root vegetables executable. Okay, do we go all like do we take ourselves really seriously and go like super Call of Duty esque with these big set pieces and? Oh yeah, I'm 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 loving the idea of you know these huge humans above you and you're running like. You're running in between their legs sort of thing, trying to- Just these swarms of vegetables. How did these vegetables gain sentience then? Have we determined that? Is it through just, like, genetic engineering, trying to create yeah, I, I more think, robust- I, I think it's through the, um, through, you know, the, the, um, gene splicing and all this sort of stuff that they, that the humans were doing. Okay. They actually created sentient <laughs> vegetables. Yep. And- um, in this case, it's sort of just like Planet of the Apes, like the new ones when they came out, how they showed they were, yeah, you know, genetically modifying these these apes, and then they ended up taking over the entire world. 
Yeah. So, okay. I like that. Rise of the <laughs> vegetables. Um, cool. But yeah, that's good. Uh, it's so kind of like plants versus zombies, do- but um, plants versus humans. Yeah. And I think it's taken much more seriously. Like I said, I think this is gory and showing the horrors of war. Just in this obviously ridiculous setting. So, do you only play the vegetables in this game, or do you get to play levels as a human? Do we switch back and forth to show both, so- Ooh, both sides I, of I, the war? Kind of like an alien versus predator, where you could play the alien, the predator, and the marines. Yeah. So, you can play the uh, root vegetables, the leafy vegetables, and the humans. Yeah. Yeah, I think the human gameplay is obviously very different. Um, oh, that, that's more, that's more of a jump scary sort of thing going through, going through yeah. a, um, going through a village and, and like, well, I think trying to- I like the idea. That, I like, uh, maybe it's one of these things where there's just one or two human levels and like they're very much these set pieces set up. One of them is just you're going through a dark field with a flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> And just, like, hearing the screaming of all these vegetables as you just, like, blast their homes. It's kind of like that- In a very war crime kind of manner, but- It's kind of like that level from um, from (laughs) Call of Duty 2. Oh, no. I thought you were going to say Spec Ops with the fucking napalm, whatever it is, or the the white- uh, The flora- No, I was thinking of of that that Modern Warfare 2- um, level where you go oh, through the, the airport. The airport, yeah, okay, yeah. That's that was a sort of that thing. was so bad. Like, but you could just imagine, you know, going going through the the crops of vegetables in this field of corn, and you just yeah melting everything. Well, again, yeah. The the purpose here, obviously, it's not supposed to be. It's not supposed to feel good to do this. It's supposed to be showing the horrors of war, yeah, uh, and and the the crimes that occur at wartime. <laughs> but yes, in a human versus vegetable war. But uh, in this case, like, at the end of this, like, a carrot gets shot at you sort of thing and, you know, embeds itself in your skull sort of thing. It's like carrot carsies. Um, <laughs> Camera carrots? No, carrot carsies. <laughs> yeah, carrot carsie. Carrot carsie. <clears throat> I, I think we've actually come up with the name of the episode already. Carrot <laughs> carsie. Yeah. Um... Yeah, okay. And then, yeah, the- So, are the- Do we do some full on, like, Shadow of the Colossus style when you're playing the vegetables? You've got moments where you're literally having to, like, grab onto these humans as they're moving around and pull yourself up onto them? Uh, or is it more just you're your one of the many troops kind of converging, firing at them, you know, doing set pieces of it's like, we need to set off the, you know, the launcher to fire one of these carrots at them or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Infantry sort of thing. I, I think, yeah, Shadow of the Colossus does have a great feel to it that, you know, you're climbing up these, these people. But <clears throat> picture this. Okay. Halloween. You see all the all the carved pumpkins around. Is that <laughs> the husks of of like your fellow, you know, gourds? Well, I'm as, wondering- as you're like a um, you're a butternut pumpkin that's come to life and walking down the walking down this sort of burnt out street that just has you know human bodies strung around and there's 
you know, carnage all over the place. And well, is, <laughs> just is this- Halloween the start of it all? Is this where, as the as the humans perform their annual ritual ritualistic slaughter of pumpkins and other squash, that that the the sentience of these of these things finally comes to the surface. I mean, the vegetables could understand eating. You know, everything's got to eat to live and all this sort of stuff. But then to see just this willful destruction with no with no plans to actually eat, just let them rot. Yeah. Like they carved faces into their skin and left them to rot on the streets. I yeah. mean the ultimate <laughs> humiliation. Yeah. So this is essentially yeah, the the year that the vegetables gained the sentience to understand the the horrific behavior of the humans was that that's when the war started. Yeah. So do we yeah, do we have that scene in there or do we have something happening in the aftermath of it? Like you I said. think it's in the aftermath. So you okay. can sort of see that you know there's rotting uh, pumpkin carcasses but there's also um just other vegetables strewn about that have been taken that have, down. That have battle. also been taken down. But there's also, like, whether you go, the kids in costumes, like- Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> oh, my God. That's getting dark. Are you saying there's, like, dead kids in costumes lying around? <laughs> there's dead little people in costumes. We don't specifically say that they're kids. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm not sure- persecuting a particular minority is any better. <laughs> um, okay. I guess it depends how, yeah, how dark we want to go there. But An eye for an eye. A pumpkin for a carcass. Oh, my God. <laughs> we can't do this with kids, but I'm picturing, like, you see these humans with jack-o'-lantern faces carved into them because, like, they've fought back and they're like, well, you did it to us. Just like carved into oh, the Oh, kind of like the, the whole Jack Pumpkin head sort of gangly sort of, you know, look incredibly tall because you're, you're only down here and you're seeing like this monstrous being sort of come towards you. Mm. Oh, you, that's just Are scary. you playing a human or a, or a vegetable in this aftermath scene, do you think? Vegetable. Well, yeah, this oh, is- <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm now picturing like a, a kid walking down, down the street in, in costume. Oh, God. Hit F to call mummy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next game now. Let's leave it at that. I'm not sure we can get any more fucked up. (laughs) Should we do some movies? Yeah. All right. So, what we're going to do is we're going to get a random movie from this random movie selecting bot. Should name it. What's the movie selecting bot called? <laughs> we'll name it Roger after the late Roger Ebert. Um, <laughs> Ebert bot. I mean, yeah, he's already kind of got bot Ebert, Ebert Rob, R- Roger Ebert. Uh, <laughs> he's going to give us a random movie each. Uh, and uh, we're going to either take the title or the full movie, depending on if we know it and how well it suits the game, and uh, make a game design out of it. So, it might be a tie-in movie to a, 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 a movie you know, a tie-in game to a movie you know, or it might just be a new game based on 
the idea or the title. Mm-hmm. Three, two, one, click. Yeah. Oh, this is an interesting one. I've never heard of it, but I kind of want to watch it. Uh, it's called Kin, K-I-N, mm-hmm. 2018. Synopsis, a young boy finds a powerful otherworldly weapon, which he uses to save his older adoptive brother from a crew of thugs. Before long, the two of them are also pursued by federal agents and mysterious mercenaries aiming to reclaim their asset. So that's cool. cool. Um, I did it twice because I thought that the first one that I got was different to what it actually was. Okay. Um, so the first one was the personal history of David Copperfield. Oh. Okay. And I thought, is that David Copperfield the magician? Click again. No, it's Charles Dickens' semi-autobiographical masterpiece, David Copperfield. <laughs> right. <laughs> In movie form. Um, I like the idea of your kin. Yeah, that's cool. Uh it's only got 33% on Rotten Tomatoes, so oh, let's that's... maybe just go with the general idea. I mean, obviously, we only have the idea, but- yeah. um, And, yeah, that's that's fun. So, young boy, ultra adoptive brother, finds a powerful otherworldly weapon. I mean, uh, it, it is a cool idea. It almost is too obvious. So, let's take it in- Maybe try to take it into a different direction. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you could easily just go FPS, you blasting down- people to save your brother with a cool weapon. Did your brother maybe find the um find the weapon and has gone off like on a rampage sort of thing and you're trying to now do a where in the world is your brother and calm him down. <laughs> okay. Follow, I kind, follow of, the I kind carnage. of like the idea of yeah following the carnage of your brother who has found this powerful weapon and, you know, he thinks he's doing the right thing. He's, like, trying to get revenge. They've had a shitty life. They're underprivileged. They've been on the streets. People have taken advantage of them. So, you know that, oh, he's going to go straight to Davo's place, the drug dealer who's been, like, forcing him to sell drugs on the street, you know, with under threat of violence. And he wants to get revenge, right? And then, you know, Bo continues from there. Does your character also find otherworldly devices of some kind, whether it's a weapon or otherwise? Um, yeah, I, I think you've you've found some sort of tracker, maybe. So you don't just have uh-huh. to follow the carnage. You can you can sort of, um, you know, in certain places around around each each area, like it charges up enough to be able to detect where the um where it is now, like. You're or sort of it, almost centering in on like, a place. Or it tracks, like, the energy signature when it's been fired or something. So, you you can never see, oh, here's where it is right now. But it's like, oh, here's, like, the trail of the most powerful, you know, nearby signature, energy signature that it was fired recently or something. So, that's the way you can kind of follow. Yeah. Especially when you get to a carnage scene where he's fired out the weapon, but now it's, like, it's venting- like particles for the yeah. next, you know, minute or so. So you're able to follow. He fired it here, and then he ran off in this direction. Yeah, he went into the cellar of this place. What? Why? Why would he do that? Like, yeah, and you go down and find like some illegal activity that was happening there, and yeah, that's yeah. cool. All right. So from the from the younger brother, then what's the what's their gameplay? Is it more to- like sort of exposition, almost walking simulator sort of thing. Exposition, but- walking simulator with some stealth elements. 
And maybe some investigative sort of stuff yeah. as you- Because you're trying to stay away from the government agents who, yeah. oh, who, who are, are obviously looking for yeah. him. They don't have your device, but they're just tracking like, oh, there was some sort of attack here by a weird weapon. Yeah. And so you, you're having to stay away from that because, um, you know, they've got some sort of detector of, of like the technology. Like they've, they've managed to determine where it is and if they catch you with this well, technology on you. Oh, well, maybe later. I think it's more just they're, they're following the reports of carnage. You can, you can often get ahead of them because you've got this tracker and you're like, okay, I know he heading this direction. Like they have to wait for the next you know, event to happen effectively, but you can sort of at least head in the right direction. But then there are moments where, yeah, you both get to, a, you know, the scene at the same time. And so now it's your stealthing around gathering evidence or like tracking the particles or whatever, um, while also avoiding, yeah, these agents who figuring out what happened themselves just through what they're looking at and- Talking, maybe talking to people, interviewing people who survived, and you can get some, you know, you can overhear exposition through those means as well. Yeah. Um, I wonder then, do, is there something around, I kind of like the idea that the weapon ejects, you know, depleted, um, casings of some sort, but that you can use those to like upgrade your scanner or upgrade your own. Technology, so that as you go, yep. you are getting better technology or more things that you can use in in different places uh, to determine what happened and where he went next. So, somewhat like almost a scripted Metroidvania sort of thing, where you you now able to get the double jump, so you can now you know well, you've maybe, effectively yeah, been or- given slight anti gravity, um, in which you can. Like kick off yeah. the kick off the air, sort so of thing. Yeah, less less more Metrovania in that you you're not revisiting places, but more no. yes. In this next area, I now have this additional ability uh, that I can make use of to to find to essentially find the next set of um, uh, evidence and ejected casings, and you know you, you've you've got certain things you want to find out in each position, as well as getting information about what's happening and avoiding the FBI and, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, are there collectibles about? Uh, well, I think it's more around environmental storytelling stuff. So I think you get you get rewarded for exploring by getting more backstory and getting more information around. Ooh, and maybe kind of, kind of like a, a collectible, but the division sort of thing where you find different audio recordings and mm-hmm. and like different you know mobile phones <clears throat> sort of things that are just well, strewn, strewn around, or even like. You know, you've got this tech. It's it's some sort of like reconstructive. You know, it it measures the the direction of all the air particles and can reconstruct something that happened there within the last thirty minutes or something. Um, as okay, a, as a holographic something. Do you techno, think techno bubble techno bubble? Do you think this weapon is fully destructive, or do you think that this is sort of um? Converting these people that he's sort of attacking into electrical energy that can actually be reversed at some stage. That would definitely give us the opportunity to redeem the brother. Yeah. The brother in some way, which might be nice. It also might be nice if- Was it- What was it? Was it Megamind or something? One of those uh, 
animated films where they shoot someone and they turn into like a little like pyramid of energy or something, you can make that a collectible almost. So like you're you're literally <laughs> collecting essentially these deconstructed <laughs> humans. <laughs> well <laughs> quote quotation mark survivors in that yes, these are the people he shot he missed. at. <laughs> no, I think no, I think these are the people he hit. But they he thinks he's killing them. They they essentially just like turn into these little blobs of energy. And oh, yes, and you're collecting them and using them to upgrade. <laughs> no, no, I don't know that these are your upgrades. I think it's something different. No, but maybe they're your upgrades. No, I can go with that. You don't, you don't realize. Okay, that's a twist. That's great. You think they're these ejected casings from the weapon <laughs> and they're glowing with energy and your device can like suck them in and like upgrade itself and then later on yeah you find out oh no these are the people he shot at who have been transmutated into pure energy that's what this weapon does and, and you could and you've gone and and used up all their energy and now <laughs> You're there's the one-, one who killed them <laughs> now they're dead <laughs> they weren't before no, no. I think I think you can get to the end and essentially like pop out all these people <laughs> um, and river and bring them back. But because um, I think you could have a really like when you finally catch up with your brother, you could have a really like fucking heart wrenching scene actually of his remorse. Then you know he he snapped and he did this and he wanted to hurt people. He wanted to get back at people. And now he's realized like he's left this chaos behind him and he didn't want to do it. But you get to like say, you know, it's okay. They're all here. You don't maybe pop them all out since the, since half the people are like drug dealers and stuff. But <laughs> um, you get to redeem him in some way or at least like help him come to terms with what he's done. Uh Yeah. Is it one of these things where the different coloured um, collectibles sort of mean different things? So, like red ones were murderers, and and like <laughs> it's like some it like reflects their aura, yeah, effectively of what type of person they were. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so I'm picturing it's kind of like um, in Dark Souls where you pop a soul. <laughs> You know, you pick one up and you pop it, and it's like up, up goes up goes the meter. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> yeah, only to find out that you maybe, are literally popping souls. Like, yeah, actually destroy their energy <laughs> form. Um, no, I, I think that's cool though. I think you can make a cool game out of that, and yeah, I like that idea of it's sort of yeah, you're following the aftermath of a shooter in in some way of what could be a cool shooter. But it's like no, this isn't the shooter. This is you tracking down in the in the aftermath, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I reckon we've got time for just one more. Yeah. Do you want to do another movie or another- Yeah, finish? another movie. All right. Let's do it. <clears throat> okay. I have Color Out of Space, which is okay. a um, HP Lovecraft uh, movie. Came out in 2020. Oh, um, very Got Nicolas Cage- Oh, okay. I mean, that um, doesn't say anything for the quality of the film, knowing Nicolas Cage. It could go either way. Mm-hmm. But, uh, okay. Well, I got uh, 2000s scary movie, the satirical horror uh, by the Wayne Brothers. Uh, so, we all know that one, I think. Yes. 
So, color out of space is yeah, give me a, where- give me a rundown. Um, a family moves into a remote farmstead in rural New England to escape the hustle and bustle of the 21st century. They're adapting to their new life when a meteorite crashes into their front yard, melts into the earth, and infects both the land and properties of space-time with, with a strange, otherworldly colour. To their horror, the family discovers the, this alien force is gradually mutating every life form that it touches, including them. Ooh. Yeah. So we're it's, not doing that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, something about a VR game set in this sort of this sort of world where mm. things are mutating around you, and and you realise that you touched this this substance at the start. Yeah. Well, okay. There are a lot of different ways you could do that. I think <clears throat> um, the whole changing colour and mutating environments made me think of. That game, um, fuck, I had its name a second ago and now I've forgotten it. Uh, Journey to the, uh, out in, <laughs> what's that game? Do you know the one I'm talking about? It's like a shooter, Journey to the Savage Planet. There you go. Okay. Uh, yes. I own, I own that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's on Game Pass. So it's, uh, I I've got, a, I've, I've got it on the Epic Store. Yeah. Um, in that way, where so that's all about kind of killing and collecting things from different creatures and unlocking yep. stuff and um, researching them and things. So that's kind of cool, having a bit of like researching this mutated stuff and like tracking, you know, finding out about and and kind of analyzing and 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 uh, collecting in a sense of these different new creatures in the area. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. But- I kind of like the idea that you're playing a scientist who's come in you're in the hazmat suit sort of stuff and you're you're investigating like the surrounding areas of and eventually trying to get to the um ground zero oh i like the idea do you remember the so it's, it's where it's already happened and yeah. yeah well well what that made me think of is um the movie evolution yeah with david Duchovny and uh who's the other guy in there yeah, David Coveney, Sean William Scott, Orlando Jones, and so yeah, they they essentially you know, the scene where they go into the where, where it's already all been sort of um, sealed off, and they go in and, and you know obviously get infected and and different stuff, but they're seeing this entirely new ecosystem that and it's converting the air and it's all this sort of thing. So I like the idea of coming into into a scene something like that where. I don't think it's evolving in the same way necessarily, but it's mutating everything and, and essentially terraforming the area and creating creatures that suit that new environment. Yep. Um, which is quite, you know, Cthulhu-esque, like lots of tentacles, lots of, um, you know, melted yeah. sort of thing-esque. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Very Cronenberg-ish. Oh, yeah. They got Cronenberg um, the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because I like that actually of having- Familiar creatures in this fucked up Cronenberg form. Um, oh yeah, yeah. That's there, cool. there's there's something about like body horror that is just. Oh yeah. In VR, I mean, you could just imagine, you know, plants mutating into into like sentient I, things that sort of swipe at you and shit. So <laughs> this is really this is really messed up. Did you, you did you end up playing Boneworks? Yes. In v- yeah. It is really fucking freaky in that game 
when one of the humanoid creatures is really close to you and you're essentially able to, in that game, for those who haven't played it, f- like fend them off physically. Like your ha- you have physical hands, they have physical hands. You can grab them, shove them, like block their attacks. Can you imagine a fucking thing-esque creature up that close to you and having to sort of fend, fend it off, off. In VR? <laughs> um, uh, I-, I think what made it so bad in Boneworks was the fact that there was no face. It was- like a um, mannequin come to life. Yeah. And there's and something kind of about grown. not knowing whether it's facing you or not that yeah. just, like, trying to sneak past them and all this sort of stuff is just not. <laughs> so, yeah, I think having that sort of combat in there or in, or fucking the, the Walking Dead game, um, Saints and Sinners. Yep. That's messed up when the zombie's up close to you. It's in a similar way because you can kind of shove them back. You can kind of, like, n- you know, fend them off a little, but it's- or shove a, shove a screwdriver into their brain. Yeah. Um, but in this case, I like the yeah. idea that what you're trying to do is actually- uh, you got, like, a little patch kit that you can, you know, patch up your, your hazmat suit. But effectively, if you get harmed too much, you're not doing harm to your, to your health. You're, you're doing, doing harm, harm to the to actual your, suit. To your DNA. <laughs> no, you're doing harm to the suit, which in right. turn does, does harm to the DNA. But- well, if you get a, if you get a massive a tear point, in your suit, yeah. you don't have long before you need to actually. Yeah, no, that's cool. I like that, uh, and yeah, I think it is like, you know, maybe you go out on these missions or these exhibitions, essentially um, expeditions. Expeditions. <laughs> you go out on these expeditions. Into <laughs> you go out on a, on an, on an exhibition. exhibition. Um, <laughs> We're showing where, <laughs> where you're showing how. <laughs> How to fight all these things in an exhibition match. <laughs> no, you go out on these expeditions into the mutated area. Yeah, you're in your suit and yeah, you end up having to fight these things off. And it's not until you get back to base where it's like, okay, now we're going to measure like the degradation of your DNA or like how much it's been altered. Uh, and so then there's maybe, there's maybe some like resource gathering or different things where you can reverse that to a certain point or different things. But like if you've, you know, yeah, if you reach a certain level of, of DNA mutation. I don't know if that's game over or if something about like you have uh, a f- something that affects your gameplay now or whatever, but. So is it Monster Hunter World-esque, but in VR in that you're going out oh. on expeditions, you know, trying to, you heard that near the farmhouse down the, um, there's like a new type down of the end of this, there's a new mutant that has just come to, come to life and I do like going that. out. And you're having to essentially take samples. Like you're not trying to kill them. You're just trying to like, get samples of them or their eggs or their or whatever, you know, whatever these creatures are like. And so you might have some stealth sort of aspects where it's like, okay, I got to get up close, stab a fucking needle into them, take some blood and then run like hell. Or what you know? <laughs> some really tense moments. Oh, VR and running and not being able to see behind you is just. Yeah. I think we do the like. You're noping swinging. out of there, basically. You do the arm swinging running. <laughs> uh- <laughs> So you have to physically move to run. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty messed up. No, I like that. That's 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 got some legs and arms and too many arms and too, and a face on the chest and lots of cool stuff. <laughs> uh, no, I like it. I like it. Um yeah, I think we'll end it there. Yes. Sounds good. Yeah. So on that note, thank you for joining us this week on Bitstorm. If you want to find us online, you can go to podchaser.com slash bitstorm. All of our previous episodes are there. What's this one? 207? Yes, 207. Man, they're going by quick. We're going to be at 300 before we know it. 
That's what we said at 100, and it felt like it was, like, two weeks ago that we were at 100. I know. Anyway, go to podchaser.com slash bitstorm, listen to every one of our previous episodes, leave a review on them all, tell us what you think, Uh, and then you'll be all caught up for next week. Also, Mm. we are part of the 8-Bit Collective. This is a group of podcasters doing shows around video games, mostly, but also pop culture and role-playing games and a ton of great stuff. So, go to 8bit.net, check some of those out, and donate to the Patreon. Go give give them slash us some moolah. We'd also like it if you could check out the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network. Just search for the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network on Facebook or Look for at AGP Network on Twitter. And finally, we'd like to thank Kuridas for the use of the song Mad Defiance off of the album Containment Failure. That's right. So thank you again for joining us this week on Bitstorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. What are you doing to my brother? You've carved a face on his skin. You can talk. I can talk. And I can kill. (laughs)